Welcome to this issue of the podcast. My name is Richard Smith. You can find out more about me over at therichardsmith.com. Hi, uh, Richard Smith here. I've done a whole series of audio recordings for my folks over at moneytrainers.co.uk. And I felt that the content was so interesting that I should put it out as a formal podcast over here on therichardsmith.com. So here it is. Enjoy. It's a bit of a long one this week, but I've broken it up into segments for you so you can listen and uh, enjoy. And if there's any queries or questions, as always, uh, you can contact me through the website. Welcome back. Today I want to talk to you about this whole issue of risk. Now, the first thing that happens when I start to talking to people at groups and at seminars about risk is they don't want to take any. They, the risk they assume is you know, walking to a bookmaker's on a Friday afternoon with a month's salary and backing the favourite that's priced at five to one at a horse racing new market. If it comes in, if it wins, perfect. You've got ten times your money by nine times your money back. If it loses, you've lost a month's salary. Not only is that stupid, but it's also extremely high risk. I'm not talking about that kind of risk. We're not talking about betting, we're not talking about losing it all, we're not talking about betting the house. What we're talking about is making an informed decision in relation to your investments and all your business, but also to try and improve your future life. The whole reason we take risk is because we want to be better off. And this is where it becomes quite interesting. Putting your money in a building society is gonna be regarded as low risk. The rewards, of course, are really small. But that's because there's no risk. But by taking a bit more risk, we should have slightly higher rewards. At the very top end, there's the all or nothing risk taking, you know, 10 times your money back in 15 minutes by putting money on a horse on, on a horse, or making some form of bet on the football. And the bottom the bottom of that risk profile is putting money in a building society where you where you're going to be getting a very low return, but you can get your money back whenever you want. Somewhere in the middle is where we need to be. We need to be taking a balance risk for a balance return. But by structuring your investments accordingly, structuring your planning accordingly, you can actually start to spread your risk asset allocation, as I would call it, which means that you're not putting all of your money into one basket, into one pile, into one stock or one share. You're actually spreading the risk across a range of shares and investments so that if one does happen to fall or go down in value, the other is likely to go up in, in order to maintain the overall value of the investment with a view to it going, going upwards. So this whole thing about risk is about knowing the truth. It's about understanding exactly what it is you're investing in. It's understanding, and it's, it's understanding what it is, what it does, what it's likely to do for you, what the downsides are, what the upsides are. The bottom line is managing risk is just about knowledge. It's about understanding exactly what it is you're getting involved in. And once you start to understand what you're getting involved in, you can actually start to make risk work for you to make money actually make sense. By not taking any action now in relation to your investments, there is a far bigger risk. There's a risk of inflation, which is making your money you know, go down in value every year. It's actually eroding your capital. By leaving your money in the building society, you're not going to get a good return. It's eroding your capital. In real terms, your money is going down. So by not taking any action, it's also a bigger risk. So this whole thing about risk is really a state of mind. Um, it will keep you stuck if you if you focus on it too much. Um, and there's also a reality here about risk. 
Um, very often you'll find that taking a little bit of risk for a slightly better return is an easy way in for you. But it's also about not betting the bank. It's about taking baby steps to understand what it is you're investing in and what it, what it is you're saving into. And then um, taking a view from there. But it is really about education. The more you know about something, the more you understand about it, the less risky it will be and the better your decision making. But it's also about focusing on the short term and long term risks. Uh, there are all sorts of risks. There's risks to the economy. There's risks of getting run over. There's risks of, you know, leaving your job. We're to, just to be alive is to take risks. So you shouldn't be shouldn't be fearful of it. But you should act on your own attitudes and approaches once you have some knowledge about them. And as you know, money training is about providing you with some of that knowledge. That's all for today. Until next time. Hi, yeah, Richard here, Money Trainers. Good to be back. In this short audio, I want to talk to you about this whole issue of mindset. See, as human beings, the sort of default position for all of us is, or oh, oh, no, we can't do that, or oh, that's difficult, or oh, I'd have to learn. And um, particularly when you're looking at managing your money, which is, uh, on the face of it, quite a complicated thing, how you think about the way your mind's operating, the way you the way you consider your approach and your views and your opinions of things uh, makes a real difference. So let me just sort of run you through this an analogy. If you if you say to yourself, "Oh, I, I I don't understand money, I don't understand finances," you're absolutely spot on. And what will happen is your brain will give you the default position of saying, "Oh, it's too difficult. You'll never understand it. You'll never get it." And the reality is, if you ask yourself another question, you would say to yourself, well, how do I learn more about improving my finances? What do I need to know in order to make my finances work better for me? Immediately, you'll start to get better answers internally to those questions. But this whole thing about mindset relates to your self-talk, whether it's positive or negative, your financial situation now, whether you have enough money, whether you don't have enough money, and all of these things will have an impact. So... What I want to do is just to give you some tools now for to, for you to be able to you make make this make make your life and your money work better for you. So the first thing you need to understand is that in terms of becoming what I call financially independent, or the fire analogy, financially independent, retire early, is the fact that many people have done this before you. None of the stuff I talk about is new. It might be new to you, but it's not new in the bigger th picture of things. And if we look at history and look at some of the wealthiest people on the planet, they have all achieved financial success. We're putting on more and more millionaires than we have ever, ever done before. We are um, putting on more and more billionaires than we've ever done before. Interesting that Apple this, this week has um, hit a trillion dollars in terms of its market capitalization or its valuation. And if you start to look around at some of these things, you'll, you'll start to understand that plenty of people have achieved it. Look around. Go and have a look at you know, some of the larger houses in your local area. Look at some of the cars that people are driving. And you'll see that people that are very similar to you and I have made the best or the most of their money. And one, one part of this is about looking at how they achieved it, what tools did they use, what tips did they rely on, how much did they understand about money, but more importantly, what they focused on. Because if you start to focus on making your money work for you, 
you'll get that. You've probably had times before in your life where you've focused or concentrated on a, a promotion or getting a particular job or getting through an exam or learning to drive or learning how to fish. You get what you focus on. And this comes back to this whole area of attitude and mindset again. But it's also quite important that we understand that having more money allows you to lead a better life. Managing your money allows you to do the things that perhaps you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't manage your money properly. And this whole thing improves your attitude. But by living a healthy life, by dieting proper or eating proper food, by exercising properly, we start to change the whole thing. And I'm not talking about, you know, going out and necessarily buying expensive organic foods or expensive gym memberships, you know, or walk around the park once a day, um, uh, you know, a little jog, a little bit of yoga with some sort of free videos off of YouTube will all start to improve your health and how you feel and will start to improve your mindset. But there's also this thing about time because everyone says, well, I don't have time. I don't have time to manage my investments. Well, the whole thing is, is that, you know, we only have 24 hours in a day. None of us have any more than 24 hours. The very richest have 24 hours. The very poorest have 24 hours. But it's how you manage it, which is the important, not allowing the time sink. So let me just give you, let me just give you a couple of, couple of answers here. If you were to break your day into chunks, let's say you're working eight hours a day or maybe even 10 hours a day, that still leaves you with plenty of time to sleep and a gap in the middle. That gap in the middle is normally used up by wasting time faffing around on social media, watching TV, watching the news, watching soaps. These are all time sinks. But if you were to say to yourself, well, okay, for an hour a day, I'm going to put some input, some focus onto my health. I'm going to exercise, I'm going to have a walk around the park, I'm going to do half hour of yoga for just an hour a day. And then you spend an hour a day considering where you are in relation to your finances. Spending an hour a day looking at where you can cut back, where you can free up some money. Now, there's a it's finite. You can only cut back money so far. It does get to the point where you need to, you know, focus on bringing more money in rather than putting less money out. But actually, there's a hell of a lot of waste in, in everybody's system. You can, you know, spend an hour or half an hour a day looking at where you can cut back, where you can reduce some of your spend. And if that means you know, perhaps walking to work to save, you know, two or three pounds a day, uh, that will save you doing the exercise to start with. If it means, you know, you're going to um, you spend spend the next few hours of this money time focusing on reducing your gas and electricity costs or doing a comparison on your car insurance. All these things will start to have an impact on your bigger picture. Now, of course, if you only save 20 quid on your car insurance this year and only save 10 quid on your gas and electricity, that's £30 in your pocket. That's £30 that's available in order for you to start to move your personal finances, your financially independence further forward. But there's another thing here and it's about learning and being able to read the right things, to watch the right things and to start to understand. You know, going back to the driving analogy, there is an issue here about uh, before you learned to drive, you couldn't drive. And then the first time you got in a car and you moved the gear lever, that was all a bit complicated. Steering and pushing your pedals down and um, getting the car to move forward was all very difficult. But now, you know, Driving is uh, something that we all do. Might be riding a bike. What I'm saying is that there is always a point in everybody's life where we don't understand this stuff, we don't know this stuff, we think it's all too difficult. And it's only once you start to 
get a little bit of information, act on that information, that it starts to move forward. So it is about learning, it is about reading, it is about listening, watching and then doing. And coming back to this thing about tools and tips, you know, you could pop into your local library and pick up a, a biography of a famous person, a, a, a famous wealthy person, to look at their life story. And very often you'll find that they come from pretty humble beginnings. They didn't start out rich. They started out very often have gone bankrupt several times. The whole idea is, is that you'll start to learn that actually pretty ordinary people can achieve pretty extraordinary things. And it all starts with this mindset, talking to yourself the right way, listening to that voice in your head that always says, oh no, you can't do that, ignoring it and then carrying on. Hi, uh, Richard here from Money Trainers. Just another final message for you. You can find out more about me over at moneytrainers.co.uk. If you want to contact me, use the forward slash contact option. Meanwhile, there's a box below which has got uh, our email subscribe option for you. Please leave your best email address in there and we will update you with some high quality information as and when I've got something to say. To another audio in this series. Today I want to talk to you about why you should have your own business, why that's important. What can it do for you? Now, whether it's going to be a full-time business or a part-time business, whether it's going to be a bit of a side hustle, something you do in addition to your current job or even your current business. Having your own business is an investment in your future. We, we do things in order to get a return on our on our time and on our investment and that investment could also be cash it could be um, uh, it could be lots of lots of things certainly time but we're expecting that we do something today and we were hoping there's going to be a payoff in the future I say hope is because we don't know to a certain extent a lot of it is out of control and this is one of the things that a lot of business owners make a, make a fatal mistake of is the fact that they think that by doing something by offering a product to the marketplace, people should buy it. And the reality is, of course, that you know it's the market that decides whether your business is going to be successful or not. The main thing from your point of view is to focus on the outputs, on pushing stuff out there and finding out what works and finding out quickly. But coming back to this issue about um, uh, business again, why would you want to, to have your own business? Well, firstly, it's leverage. It's time and money leverage. You can do stuff once and get paid for it over and over again. You can also leverage some of the online platforms, you know, selling on eBay, selling via Facebook, selling via Amazon. 10 years ago, some of these platforms didn't exist. Probably 15 years ago, some of these platforms didn't exist. And if you go through some of the Facebook feeds, You'll currently see that you know there are plenty of people that are selling stuff on Facebook and expecting to get a return. Very often it's second-hand goods, very often it's stuff that's no longer required, but there is certainly a massive market, a global market, on selling through Facebook. It's also about freedom. If you can have a business, a, a business machine, if you like, working in the background, selling stuff for you or doing stuff for you whilst you're not working, or you can do things like create specialised reports or specialised digital products. It's possible for you to put these online and to sell these online without actually recreating them again. You only create them once. Bear in mind it's digital, so once it's done, it's done. 
but more importantly, these can sell for you in the background without you actually having to do anything. Freedom. More importantly, this freedom could bring an additional income for you. We don't know, but we need to try it. And maybe it will grow. Just maybe your little equal business will grow into something absolutely massive. Perhaps it will grow into something that will just pay for a couple of holidays a year. Perhaps it will grow into something that uh, which means you don't have to work full time. And there's a you know a whole load of reasons why you should consider and why everybody should have their own business. More importantly, it is very tax efficient for you to have your own business. Bear in mind that your business expenses can be uh, offset against your business income. So, for example, if your business was paying for your mobile phone, provided it's wholly and exclusively for business purposes, then your mobile phone bill can be offset against your business costs. You may want to think about that. But the whole thing about having your own business is it does provide you with another string to your bow, if you like. It provides you with another angle, something else to consider, something else to bring in income, something that you may not have to work for, because at the moment you're currently trading time for money. You're turning up to do your job, you do X number of hours a week or a month or a year and you get paid for that. Having your own business as a side hustle means that you should be able to produce some form of income without physically working for it eight, 10, 12 hours a day. It's far easier now than it's ever been. The technology is now massively improved, certainly with the internet. Nearly everyone in the UK has got a broadband connection. Nearly everybody um, has some sort of online presence. Nearly everybody has used some sort of online purchasing, whether it be Facebook, whether it be Amazon, whether it be eBay. Um, most people have actually gone through and done that. And the main thing from your point of view is going into that, that kind of process, going into that kind of digital world, it's perpetual. And you can do as much or as little as you want. Yeah, going back to what I said earlier about finding the finding the market, finding the niche is important. But, you know, without a doubt, there is a market out there. But let me just give you a bit of a spin on that. Let's say, let's say you wanted to set up a business. Let's say your hobby was fishing, for example. Fishing or football doesn't matter what it is. But you can apply this to just about any other any other market you want to enter. Let's say your your specialist hobby is fishing. Let's say that's what you that's what you spend your weekends doing. Well, you you'll know quite a bit about uh, fishing rods, fishing reels, fishing venues. You'll know a lot quite a lot about tackle. You'll know where to go and buy tackle. You know how to uh, how to fix tackle, how to repair things, how to keep your rig if you like up and running. And your specialist area could be could be carp. It could be uh, it could be uh, match fishing, it could be river fishing, whatever it happens to be. There's absolutely no reason why you couldn't take that hobby and convert that into a business. It may mean that you're going to have to set up a blog so that you're, you can start to get your ideas out there, your how-tos, and then you can monetize that by selling products and you can either buy those products indirectly and sell them at a profit, or you can do what they call drop shipping. There are plenty of options here for you to turn your hobby into a a very small business, a micro business, or even a part-time business, or even a full-time business at some stage in the future. But this is a long-term game. Going back to these issues about leverage and freedom, doing something around what you already know is an easy way in. Will it be successful? Absolutely no idea. But if you don't try, you'll never know. That's all I've got to say about business. There's more stuff coming up. Look forward to meeting up with you on the next one.
Hi, uh, Richard here from Money Trainers. Just another final message for you. You can find out more about me over at moneytrainers.co.uk. If you want to contact me, use the forward slash contact option. Meanwhile, there's a box below which has got uh, our email subscribe option for you. Please leave your best email address in there and we will update you with some high quality information as and when I've got something to say. Welcome back. Today I'm going to talk to you about this issue of freedom. What does it mean? How do we get it? How do we become free? And the answer, of course, is I freedom is a state of mind to start with. But in terms of what we're looking or we're talking about here is this whole issue of uh, financial freedom. I just want you to think about what that means to you. You know, just, just for a few seconds, pause this recording and just listen. Just listen to your voice, your, your voice in your head when you say, what, what does freedom mean to me? Write it down, make a note of it. It could mean having a, a, a business, it could be having um, a, a decent job or a better job than you've got now. It could be a promotion, it could be a mix of having your business and a, and a, and a, and a proper job. It could mean having money in the bank, it could mean having um, your children at the right school, it could mean the ability to be able to travel. Freedom means many different things for many different people and I can absolutely assure you that part of being free is a head game, it's an internal game. The second part of being free is having sufficient money in the bank and the only way you get sufficient money in the bank is to work and save, spend less than you earn. That is, or, or of course, get another job and, or set your own business up. But a combination of those things can be very powerful for you in terms of becoming free. But I also want you to think about how much money you think you'll need to be free. Very often you'll find the, and I do this in seminars quite a lot, where I say to the group, okay, how much money do you think you'll need in order to become financially independent, to be financially free? And I get figures of a billion pounds, half a million, half a billion pounds, uh, five million pounds. And the reality is, if you start to consider this very carefully, the amount of money you need is substantially less. Even if you're uh, earning average wages in the UK, you're going to earn about 1.3 million in your lifetime. If you only earmark 10% of that, that's 130,000 um, as, a, as a, a fund value or as a lump sum. That's 10%, only 10% of your salary. 90% of course is still yours to use how you want it. Um, but I can absolutely assure you that for most people listening to this you know, short audio, Having 120, 130,000 pounds in the bank is close to being financially free. Of course, if you had 200 or 300,000 in the bank, um, you are well on your way to being truly financially independent. So it's not a difficult amount of money. Yes, you don't accrue it overnight. No, it doesn't appear in one one foul swoop. But what happens is, it starts to grow exponentially. And then once you've got your first two or three thousand, that very quickly becomes ten, and then twenty thousand. So. In terms of how long it takes you to achieve financial independence based on whatever number it is you've got in your head, uh, you'll find that it actually starts to snowball quite quickly once you put in place some of the principles that we talk about and do more with over at Money Trainers. So just consider how much you actually think it's going to need. Once you know what you're going to need, once you've started making some money, once you've made your first five or 10 or 15 pounds of leverage, that's making money on your money. It's a question of simply wash, rinse and repeat. It's the old logo on the back of the um, shampoo bottles. This is the thing that made, you know, Vosine and all of the other, 
you know, hair, uh, hair shampoo companies very rich. Wash, rinse and repeat. Um, and that's all you need to do with, with your money. Get some money, secure some money, spend less than you earn and start to use that money in order to, to, to employ some leverage to make more money for you. One of the things about um, becoming free, you feel better. With money in the bank, with a bit of cash in, in the bank, swashing about the system, you start to feel a little bit more secure. You start to be happier. And of course, happier people make more money than unhappy people. I can absolutely assure you of this. But I also want you to think about a society issue wrapped around this topic of freedom. What would you really like to do? People you'd like to visit, places you'd like to see, things you'd like to do. Because having a short-term go goal, as I said something in the, in the, in the last audio, you get what you focus on. Having, to some, having a purpose, having something to, to focus on is really vitally important. And from your point of view, it's a question of moving you forward from where you are now to where you'd like to be without a plan, without a goal. And I don't necessarily like that, 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 that term goal, objective setting, the sort of thing they talk about in, in um, uh, manager, managerial meetings when you're having a one-to-one too. -one. So, Say, Richard, what are your objectives for this year? Bugger off. So the whole thing that about this, about freedom, is about working towards a plan. It's about securing some money now that can be used for your future. But it's also a positive because if you can start to get this right in the next weeks and months very quickly using the wash, rinse and repeat method, you'll start to get a lot of leverage, which means you can start to accrue the amount of money that you think you're going to need. And then you become free. Having money in the bank is freedom. I'm not talking about accruing money for money's sake just because you want to be greedy and accrue a massive pot of money. I'm talking about using money so that you can go and live the life you need to avoid the shit and the unhappiness that we see out there on the street. Money is such a problem. In actual fact, it's a very simple problem to solve once you start to get in the groove of some of these things. Anyway, as always, you can contact me via the contact page on the website. If you're interested in some more information from me and to listen to my rants and raves, uh, drop your email address in the subscribe box and um, we'll give you those that content as and when I produce it. Thanks very much. Hi, uh, Richard here from Money Trainers. Just another final message for you. You can find out more about me over at moneytrainers.co.uk. If you want to contact me, use the forward slash contact option. Meanwhile, there's a box below which has got uh, our email subscribe option for you. Please leave your best email address in there and we will update you with some high quality information as and when I've got something to say. Hi, yeah, Richard here, Money Training. It's good to be back. In this short audio, I want to talk to you about this whole issue of mindset. See, as human beings, the sort of default position for all of us is, or oh, oh, no, we can't do that, or oh, that's difficult, or oh, I'd have to learn. And um, particularly when you're looking at managing your money, which is, uh, on the face of it, quite a complicated thing, how you think about the way your mind's operating, the way, you, the way you consider your approach and your views and your opinions of things uh, makes a real difference. So let me just sort of run you through this an analogy. 
if you if you say to yourself, oh, I, I don't understand money, I don't understand finances, you're absolutely spot on. And what will happen is your brain will give you the default position of saying, oh, it's too difficult, you'll never understand it, you'll never get it. And the reality is, if you ask yourself another question, you would say to yourself, well, how do I learn more about improving my finances? What do I need to know in order to make my finances work better for me? Immediately, you'll start to get better answers internally to those questions. But this whole thing about mindset relates to your self-talk, whether it's positive or negative, your financial situation now, whether you have enough money, whether you don't have enough money, and all of these things will have an impact. So what I want to do is just to give you some tools now for, to, for you to be able to you make, make, this, make, make your life and your money work better for you. So the first thing you need to understand is that in terms of becoming what I call financially independent, or the fire analogy, financially independent, retire early, is the fact that many people have done this before you. None of the stuff I talk about is new. It might be new to you, but it's not new in the bigger thick picture of things. And if we look at history and look at some of the wealthiest people on the planet, they have all achieved financial success. We're putting on more and more millionaires than we have ever, ever, ever done before. We are um, putting on more and more billionaires than we've ever done before. Interesting that Apple this, this week has um, hit a trillion dollars in terms of its market capitalization or its valuation. And if you start to look around at some of these things, you'll, you'll start to understand that plenty of people have achieved it. Look around, go and have a look at you know, some of the larger houses in your local area, look at some of the cars that people are driving, and you'll see that people that are very similar to you and I have made the best or the most of their money. And one, one part of this is about looking at how they achieved it, what tools did they use, what tips did they rely on, how much did they understand about money, but more importantly, what they focused on. Because if you start to focus on making your money work for you, you'll get that. You've probably had times before in your life where you've focused or concentrated on a, a promotion or getting a particular job or getting through an exam or learning to drive or learning how to fish. You get what you focus on. And this comes back to this whole area of attitude and mindset again. But it's also quite important that we understand that having more money allows you to lead a better life. Managing your money allows you to do the things that perhaps you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't manage your money properly. And this whole thing improves your attitude. But by living a healthy life, by dieting proper or eating proper food, by exercising properly, we start to change the whole thing. And I'm not talking about, you know, going out and necessarily buying expensive organic foods or expensive gym memberships. You know, a walk around the park once a day, um, uh, you know, a little jog, a little bit of yoga with some sort of free videos off of YouTube will all start to improve your health and how you feel and will start to improve your mindset. But there's also this thing about time because everyone says, well, I don't have time. I don't have time to manage my investments. Well, the whole thing is, is that, you know, we only have 24 hours in a day. None of us have any more than 24 hours. The very richest have 24 hours. The very poorest have 24 hours. But it's how you manage it, which is the important, not allowing the time sink. So let me just give you, let me just give you a couple of, couple of answers here. If you were to break your day into chunks, let's say you're working eight hours a day or maybe even 10 hours a day, that still leaves you with plenty of time to sleep and a gap in the middle. That gap in the middle is normally used up by wasting time 
faffing around on social media, watching TV, watching the news, watching soaps. These are all time sinks. But if you were to say to yourself, well, okay, for an hour a day, I'm going to put some input, some focus onto my health. I'm going to exercise, I'm going to have a walk around the park, I'm going to do half hour of yoga for just an hour a day. And then you spend an hour a day considering where you are in relation to your finances. Spending an hour a day looking at where you can cut back, where you can free up some money. Now there's a it's finite, you can only cut back money so far. It does get to the point where you need to you know, focus on bringing more money in rather than putting less money out. But actually, there's a hell of a lot of waste in, in everybody's system. You can, you know, spend an hour or half an hour a day looking at where you can cut back, where you can reduce some of your spend. And if that means uh, perhaps walking to work to save, you know, two or three pounds a day, uh, so that will save you doing the exercise to start with. If it means, you know, you're going to um, you spend, spend the next few hours of this money time focusing on, reducing your gas and electricity costs or doing a comparison on your car insurance, all these things will start to have an impact on your bigger picture. Now, of course, if you only save 20 quid on your car insurance this year and only save 10 quid on your gas and electricity, that's £30 in your pocket. That's £30 that's available in order for you to start to move your personal finances, your financial independence further forward. But there's another thing here, and it's about learning and being able to read the right things, to watch the right things, and to start to understand. You know, going back to the driving analogy, there is an issue here about uh, before you learned to drive, you couldn't drive, and then the first time you got in a car and you moved the gear lever, that was all a bit complicated. Steering and pushing your pedals down and um, getting the car to move forward was all very difficult, but now, you know, Driving is uh, something that we all do. Might be riding a bike. What I'm saying is that there is always a point in everybody's life where we don't understand this stuff, we don't know this stuff, we think it's all too difficult. And it's only once you start to get a little bit of information, act on that information, that it starts to move forward. So it is about learning, it is about reading, it is about listening, watching and then doing. And coming back to this thing about tools and tips, you know, you could pop into your local library and pick up a, a biography of a famous person, a, a, a famous wealthy person, to look at their life story. And very often you'll find that they come from pretty humble beginnings. They didn't start out rich. They started out and very often have gone bankrupt several times. The whole idea is, is that you'll start to learn that actually pretty ordinary people can achieve pretty extraordinary things. And it all starts with this mindset, talking to yourself the right way, listening to that voice in your head that always says, oh no, you can't do that, ignoring it and then carrying on. I um, have always been interested in this whole area of goal setting and personal development and trying to work out exactly what makes people tick why do people do things in the, the way they do them and I've been a senior manager in some large financial institutions as well as running my own practice for many years so I, I kind of get people I kind of understand people but I don't always understand why people do the things they do in the way they do them but what I want to talk to you about today is this whole thing about goal planning and, and, and objective setting and how we actually start to move our lives forward, not only in relation to our finances, but in relation to every other part of our life. And I want to talk to you about the three-month year and not waiting for it to happen. 
what happens with most of us, we get to the end of the year and we set New Year's resolutions in order for us to make next year better than the last one. And as, as humans, we find planning for a year ahead actually really quite difficult, which is why most New Year's resolutions very often don't get further than January. But there's also a thing about the human psyche in that uh, we often feel that if we've made a decision, and the term decision comes from the Latin to mean to, mean to cut off, to cut off any chance of anything else happening, we have decided. We, um, uh, we've, we won't make a decision, we think that's it, we think that's all we need to do. And the brain says to itself and has a conversation with the subconscious and says, well, well you know, you've decided to do that, that's okay, you don't need to do any more. And forgetting about the most important thing, which is the action. And I also want to talk to you about this whole issue of, of um, where we are in relation to this whole goal setting thing, because I firmly believe that, that goal setting is bollocks, it's BS, it, it doesn't work, it's not that effective. Yes, certainly to have, you know, a, a bigger picture where we want to end up, we want, we, you know, we all know we want to end up with a large house and a swimming pool and a fantastic business and, and a stunning partner and, and absolutely gorgeous kids and a private school, and we know that, that's a given, we all want that. Maybe you don't, but you know most of us do. And so setting a goal for that seems a little bit, little bit disingenuous, doing a little bit of a disservice to yourself because we, 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 we know that's a given. We all want these things. But also, you know, so there's big picture stuff, and everyone says, "Oh, you know, set a big hairy ass goal, set a big audacious goal. You know, go for, go for, go for the shoot for the moon, shoot for, you know, shoot for the size you can get." And, that's a given. Why? Why would we waste time, you know, setting setting a goal like that when we know full well that, that that's what we all want? But it's also the fact that we are river people, and to a certain extent, you know, we are we are sort of meandering through life, stopping at various islands, whether that be uh, various relationships, whether it be various jobs, whether it be various businesses. We're all sort of, you know, getting to the next point and we're standing on the top of the hill and we're looking to the east and looking to the west and so on. Well, where are we going to go next? What's the next challenge going to be? And we tend to live our lives like that rather than living our lives with this big hair. I don't know there are people there that have these, you know, these big hairy arse goals, these big final objectives, the people that change the world. But for most of us, that's too difficult. That's too hard. So, so... What what I've worked out, and this isn't my idea at all, but it's something that works works very well. It's this whole issue of having a three month year, um, because it does lots of things for you. It allows you to stay focused. It allows your mind, your brain, to stay focused on the shorter term, which is uh, far easier for it than than longer term. But it also gives you an opportunity to reset. So if you're setting three month goals, you can actually reset it every three months, rather than saying, "Oh bloody hell, a year's gone past. I've not achieved any any of the things I set out to do." And then in a blind panic, rush around to try and justify, you know, what, what you haven't done. But by setting three-month goals, it forces you to have a reset. It's little actions towards a bigger picture. So, for example, um, uh, I would take, take a three-month plan of saying, OK, well, I want to learn Spanish. I want to start looking for a new job, which means I need to get my CV tidied up. I also want to learn some digital skills. I also want to improve my, my financial 
my financial situation. And so you'd set a three month goal for that, knowing full well that you can chunk that down into what into monthly and weekly goals. And, and actually you can chunk that down into daily actions. So for example, oh, I need to, need to manage money a bit better. Um, um, perhaps reducing some expenditure. Okay, today I'm going to do compare my my gas and electricity, or I'm going to compare my um, going to you know review my life insurance cover, or I'm going to have a look at my pension, or um, you know, I'm going to do a five minute Spanish lesson on lesson online. But what what will happen is once you start to do this, is you will be focusing more on actions rather than planning and rather than setting objectives. And it's really important because it's the action, it's the action which will actually actually move you forward. The the, the planning and the objective setting is bollocks basically. It will never move you. So three months is optional. Planning planning for three months at a time is optional. Yes, have the big hairy ass goal, but keep that at the back of your mind. Don't necessarily write it down. Um, but have three-month goals which are moving towards a bigger picture. Learning Spanish is vital and important. So being, as a goal, for example, so being conversationally fluent in six months or three months gives you an opportunity to have, you know, conversationally fluent at six months. And the three-month goal would be to at least be able to have a conversation at the airport, for example, or a conversation in a restaurant. This way it gives your mind the ability to be able to cope and focus on the short term. What you do need to do to, to make, that, make that work is to look at daily actions um, in order to fit in with your goals, which means you, know, means you should create a, you know, create a journal and use that journal to note down what you've done, what you haven't done, perhaps asking yourself questions of why you haven't done it. And then note down the action that you've taken. More importantly, you can then use what I what I use very very successfully is a time block system. So actually block out in your diary time to do such things, which means that you know your Spanish lesson will be eleven fifteen on a Tuesday morning. It will mean that your 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 learning copy skills is going to be you know at two at two fifteen on a on a on a Friday afternoon by blocking time out and diarying it the same as you would do a meeting. You wouldn't fail to turn up for a meeting. And by blocking time in your diary, you wouldn't. You're not. You're going to have less likely to fail in actually doing the work. But what I think you should focus on, rather than the goal itself, is getting focused on the action, not the outcome. So yeah, we know full well that we want. We need to improve our finances. But what action do we need to take in order to be able to improve our finances? So that would be your goal, effectively. Your goal would be on the action, not on the final objective. And it's just a. It's just a little slight shift in terms of how you think about these things but being focused on the action is, is vitally important so that means that you know if one of your three-month goals is to start looking for another job uh, registering with a recruitment agency or looking at um, one of the online job searching sites would actually start to make a lot of sense if it's about your business goals you know doing a little bit of research doing the action having the conversation with someone having the conversation with a potential client just sort of you know putting the stuff out there focus on the action not on the outcome and the, this action thing is a difference it will make such a difference because i can assure you if you are taking action a lot of the shit in your business in your life will start to fall to one side and it's when you're sitting down in front of the TV on a Friday night, bitching and pissing about what a crap job you've got, you know, how miserable the people are. And if you're not taking any action a week, you're going to feel like that because nothing's going to change. So back to this sort of three-month year and working out, you know, what you need to do over a 12-week period. You should be saying to yourself, you know, what it is you really want 
And if that means that, you know, finding another job, improving your finances, getting your money working for, for you rather than working for everybody else, what have you got to do to get that? Certainly with some of the, the training we've put out for money trainers, um, you'll start to learn some of that if you decide to, to come, come further forward with us. But but looking at exactly what, what it is you're doing, what, what it is you're trying to achieve and how you would get that. So, for example, if you want to be producing investment income of £5,000 a year, how do you do that? How much money do you need? How could you invest? Where could you invest? But actually looking, start to look at these things so they become real, so you can actually start to understand them. Knowing what your bigger picture is. Knowing full well what, what you want next year to look like. We all want next year to look better than this year. But, but, but put, some, put some numbers on that. Let's put some numbers about about income, put some numbers on about, about the amount of time off, about the places you want to visit. Drop those into a, you know, an A4 pad, drop that into your journal. And much time you're looking at, you know, setting your next three months goals, you can actually pull some of those things back in. These are things that you've thought of, which might be a good idea, because life is short and it disappears into the ether really quickly. And if you don't do this, I can assure you, if you don't make a plan, then you're automatically fitting in with somebody else's plan. And the whole idea about this is, is that you can start to have your own plan and make your own views and wants and needs fit with the reality of it. Be focused, be mindful of it. Always keep at the back of your mind exactly what it is you need to be doing. What those three months goals are, how you chunk those down. And also to review them. To sit down is what I call doing your homework on a Sunday afternoon. Sitting down with a journal or an A4 pad and saying, well, okay, what were, the, what were the things I needed to do this week? What were the actions I needed to take? Have I done them? Why didn't I do them? Do your homework. And then immediately, before you leave the site of your homework, drop into the Monday pages some of the things you didn't do, some of the things you need to do for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Sit down, do your homework. Note them down, review them, make them fit with your three-month plan, which needs to fit in with your bigger picture plan, whatever that happens to be. But whatever happens, you need to focus on action. So those are, those are some little snippets for you. I... If you take if you if you do this stuff, I absolutely guarantee you that your will li- your life will start to change. Um, your financial life will certainly improve once you start to focus on some of these small bits and pieces. But the main thing is is you'll start to feel a lot more positive. You'll wake up in the morning with a bit of a bit of a spring in your step because actually you'll know what it is you 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 need to do next rather than you know drifting through life, getting battered by the storms as they come, and the storms will come again as they have come they've come in the past okay that's all i've got to say today my name's richard smith moneytrainers.co.uk i look forward to seeing you at some point in the future on one of the other trainings Hi, uh, Richard here from Money Trainers. Just another final message for you. You can find out more about me over at moneytrainers.co.uk. If you want to contact me, use the forward slash contact option. Meanwhile, there's a box below which has got uh, our email subscribe option for you. Please leave your best email address in there and we will update you with some high quality information as and when I've got something to say. Hi, uh, Richard here. Welcome back. Yesterday, I started talking to you about FIRE, which it stands for um, Financial Independence and Retiring Early. 
and today I just wanted to expand on that to let you know exactly what that meant, what that simple four-letter four-letter word actually meant. And if you're in your 20s or 30s now, or if you're in your 40s and 50s, you'll be under all sorts of pressure to be to buy a house, uh, uh, um, to spend money now on stuff that everybody thinks you need. And you know, if you're working on on minimum wage, then uh, perhaps there isn't sufficient money to. Um, invest and the whole idea of this financial independence retiring early is to look at you know your holistic financial situation and try and make it work for you the fact is is that um, if you take the conventional route and retire at 69 which is going to be for men very short it's currently 67 um, you're going to be three quarters dead um, you can't get hold of your, your any personal pensions or personal arrangements until you are a minimum age of 55. Wherever you're in your 30s now, that seems a sort of million miles away. And the problem is, is, is that you know, what happens is, is you're you're only just pre-zimmer. You end up taking the conventional route of plowing money into pensions, and you end up half dead effectively before you can start to draw on any of the money you've got rolled up in conventional pensions. And I think that's an issue. You may, may disagree with me, but I think it's, you know, life is about living today, but doing it using money as a lever. And this is what the, the, the fire movement is all about. One of the things that um, uh, is vitally important when you consider being financially independent is not having any debt. The problem with debt is that debt is effectively your future income. A debt takes away from your future. Effectively, you're borrowing from your future life and very often paying an exorbitant rate of interest for it. So debt's important. Not having debt, managing debt, making sure it's the right sort of debt is vitally important under these five principles. Investments, the kind of investments that you may be holding money in. And you know, don't take this the wrong way. If you don't currently have any money invested, that's fine. A bit later on, we'll be talking about how you how you start to do that and how you start to manage that. But having investments that produce income is vitally important. You know, we go to work, you and I go to work for income. You know, I work in my own business, you you could have your own business, you could have your own job, but you work for income. So when you're investing your money, you should be investing for income. Uh, because that income, once it's paid to you, is yours forever. It never gets taken away. Whereas if you're investing for capital growth, of course, if the markets go down, then any capital growth you've had is gone. So it's vitally important that you look at, you know, managing investments to produce income. But it's, but it's more, important than, more, more important than that is the fact that your money needs to be working for you rather than it working for the businesses that you're invested in. For example, if you put your money in the bank, the bank then lends your money to a another. Now, it could be paying you a quarter or a half or 1% if you're very lucky a year on your money on deposit. But it could be lending that money out at five or six or seven or on credit cards at 18 or 19 percent. Therefore, the bank or the building society or the organisation that's, quote, looking after your money, close quotes, is actually making a lot more money on your money than you are, which is a bit of an arse about face of doing things. So... But for, for most of us, we, you know, we get involved in this, oh, it's a bit risky, it's a bit high risk, we don't want to take any risk, we want it to be secure. Well, as the 2008 banking crisis proved, there's no such thing as secure. Uh, at any time, your money could be taken away from you. So it's vitally important that you consider these areas when you're investing. But it's also about flexibility. 
if you plough money into lifetime ISAs, you're limited in terms of how you can draw the money out. If you plough money into pensions, you're limited to how money you, how you can draw money out. The problem with pensions is they're actually not even tax efficient, but that's not even for today. So it's about considering your options and your flexibility. It's about making sure you've got several pots of money. I talk a lot about having a slush fund, having a reserve fund and having long-term investments. Basically means that if the proverbial hits the fan, you've got cash that you can fall back on without borrowing. And again, it's this borrowing thing. And even if you are up to your neck in debt now, even if you don't have any money available, the whole idea is to work through this training and you know get on the, get on the email list and you know get some more information. But the other thing about being financially independent and retiring early is about having your own business. Um, there is one more element, but I'm not going to talk about that today, and that's taxation. But having your own business, even if it's only you know a side hustle, Gary V calls it a side hustle, um, uh, that, that's bringing in a little bit of income on the side, uh, it's vitally important that you start to consider those options because it's a very tax-efficient way of managing your life and also your business. So you have to remember this, uh, you know, it's, it's no good you, you sitting back and saying it will be all right because it won't be all right. There's no white knight coming down the high street to save you. You know, no, 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 gov no change of government, no, no change of policy is going to make this easier for you. And of course, as I, as I talk now in 2018, you know, we are facing a sort of changing world, a changing environment. Things are not quite the same. The population is growing. There are more and more people on zero hours contracts. You need to get a grip on some of this stuff, uh, or you know, you, there's going to be a. I nearly swore then. Perhaps I should swear. Um, oh yeah, I have put the warning up on this. But the bottom line is, is that you are dying. Life is a terminal illness. If you wait until you're seventy percent dead before you start to become financially independent, before you become financially free, you're going to have a, a pretty grim life. In all fairness, grim, miserable, unhappy. Certainly not enjoying as much freedom as you can. So, let me give you a couple of tips on that. I've already covered the areas where I think you should be mindful of, and it's about debt, it's about investments, it's about making money work for you, it's about flexibility, it's about possibly having your own business or a side hustle. You are a long time dead, um, and you are dying. You know, we only come this way, it's such a short period of time, we come this way only once, we don't get a chance to do it all again. So it's vitally important that you learn some of this stuff now, and I don't... Even if you're, if you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s now, starting to make the changes will improve your lot 10 or 15 or 20 years down the road, maybe even sooner than that, depending on your financial situation. Um, but it, we're absolutely important that we try to guarantee your future. Anyway, uh, my name is Richard Smith. Uh, you can join me on the email list some, somewhere down on this page uh, for further updates, and uh, I hope that you find the training to be of assistance. If you've got any queries or questions, please raise them through the forward slash contact page. Thank you. Hi, uh, Richard here from Money Trainers. Just another final message for you. You can find out more about me over at moneytrainers.co.uk. If you want to contact me, use the forward slash contact option. Meanwhile, there's a box below which has got uh, our email subscribe option for you. Please leave your best email address in there and we will update you with some high quality information as and when I've got something to say.
my name is Richard Smith. You can find out more about me over at therichardsmith.com. Thank you.